Aren't you glad for heaven? Amen. Luke 10 20 said, Notwithstanding, yes, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in the heaven. And if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life, friend, I've got news for you. You've got something to rejoice about Amen. this morning. We thank the Lord for that. All right. You will this morning. Turn your Bibles with us. Uh, see where we want to be at here. Matthew chapter number 12, please. Stand with us for the reading and reverence of the Word of God. Desire that you pray uh, for us this morning as we attempt to try to do what the Lord has laid on our heart for the hour. All right? Let's see. I'm dried out this morning, too. So. All right. Matthew chapter number 12. And verse number 38 through, uh, we'll just read down through verse number 42. And uh, this is probably, um, I don't know how you would classify this message. Some would call this a uh, salvation message. But more importantly, I think it is a good educational message to help us get a greater perspective uh, of some things that I believe is overlooked in the Word of God uh, that, that I hope that the Lord will help us with this morning. Me and this little ball right here don't get along too well, but we'll try to get it straightened out. Matthew chapter uh, number 12, verse number 38, the Bible said, Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it. But the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas, and behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. You can be seated. Heavenly Father, we desire that you'd help us this morning as we attempt to preach what you've laid on our heart. Lord, we do ask that you would help us, Lord, to, uh, this morning to rightly divide uh, the scripture, and Lord, that you'd stop our stammering tongue, guard our lips of clay, give us clarity of thought and speech, we do ask. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. All right. So as we look at these verses of scripture, we see two things. First and foremost, there is a greater than Jonas, uh, as we know being Jonah, there is a greater, if you will, uh, then this one in verse number two, 42 said, The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation. There's one greater here than Solomon. And we understand that there was a queen, the queen of Sheba, had heard of the fame of Solomon, and she come to inquire. Now I, wanna, I want you to know that the queen was inquisitive of all that she had heard about King Solomon. King Solomon was a, a great king and of his wisdom and of his wealth, uh, he, was, he was widely known for those things. And so because he had a name and a reputation, the Queen of Sheba desired that she come and see him and for her own desire and for her own interest 
make a determination if he was indeed all that his reputation uh, was. And so she was going to verify here. And uh, notice with me, if you will, what the scribes and the Pharisees are attempting to do. First and foremost, you understand that the scribes and Pharisees are saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Now we know that Jesus was rejected as the Messiah by the, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And, and so Jesus here is, that they're, they're almost mocking, if you will. Now, how do we know that? Because we're contrasting what they have said to Jesus in regards to what the Queen of Sheba has come to see and to say about Solomon. Said the Queen of the South shall rise up in judgment. We see that the Lord Jesus Christ is saying that Nineveh shall rise up in judgment uh, against you. We see that the queen of the south, that being the queen of Sheba, will rise up in the judgment against you. In other words, uh, you, you see that the queen of Sheba uh, left understanding and knowing that indeed Solomon did meet up to his reputation. And then we see here in verse number 41 that Nineveh is going to rise up in judgment because they repented when the preached word come to them. What are you saying? Well, they accepted the message. Now here's the problem that we have today. There's folk that won't accept the message and then there's folk that won't accept Christ for who he is. All right, so that you could, you could see Christ for who he is and reject the message. You could hear the message but not see Christ for who he is. And thus you would see no need to accept the message. All right, and so essentially what's being said is here, the scribes and the Pharisees said, Master, we would see a sign from thee. Show us something that would cause us to believe. We don't take you at what you're saying. Uh, your reputation. See, Jesus is starting to build a reputation. How do we know that? Jesus is building a reputation because there was crowds that thronged him, that went to where he was at, that followed him, that, that, that surrounded him. But now Jesus here is saying to the scribes and Pharisees, he said, an evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. They were not there because they were inquisitive. The scribes and Pharisees were always trying to trip up that of Jesus and make a spectacle out of him because of the following that he had. Now the scribes and Pharisees didn't bother Jesus in his, in his life until Jesus began to preach and to teach and to show miracles. When he began to do that, the scribes and Pharisees took notice because of the message that he brought. You'll find that people don't like us today because of the message that we bring. There's church folk that get upset because they don't want the message that you bring. The message causes a problem. And they weren't interested in the message. They really weren't interested, uh, they really wasn't interested in him being their master. They were interested in trying to trip him up. And you find that all through the Gospels. Now, had they been inquisitive for their own desire that maybe quite possibly, Brother Marvin, this could be Jesus. This could be not only Jesus, but the God-man. This could be not only Jesus, the, the son of Mary and Joseph, but this might be Jesus, the son of God. If they'd have had any uh, desire to find out for their own well-being, Jesus would have helped them. But they weren't there for that. 
Now the, way, the reason we know that is because he's contrasting what they're saying to him with the queen of Sheba. Go with me to 1 Kings chapter number 10 and verse number 1. I wasn't going to start this way, but this is the direction I feel like the Lord uh, would have us to go this morning. So 1 Kings chapter number 10. Well, let's look at some things that the queen of Sheba, uh, the Bible says about the queen of Sheba. 1 Kings chapter number 10 and verse number 1. When the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon. Now, why is it that the scribes and Pharisees are approaching that of Christ and trying to trip him up? Because they've heard of the fame of this man called Jesus. And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. Now, can I say that She's come because there's doubt. But she's not come to make a mockery of him. She's coming to see if the hype is truly real. The scribes and Pharisees did not desire to find out if Jesus was truly real. They had already determined in their heart that he wasn't. They didn't care what he was as long as he didn't disrupt their agenda. Now, we live in a nation today that really don't care anything about the church or anything about Christ until we disrupt their agenda. Now, when you disrupt their agenda, you, you are suddenly on their radar, which is why today the church isn't really as a whole much of a problem for our nation or our government because we seem to be failing in our agenda. All right, what we're trying to do. We're not disrupting their agenda with our agenda. All right? So having said that, the Queen of Sheba, she's inquisitive. She has her doubts. Can I say to you that before you got saved by the grace of God, you had some questions you didn't know. And I had some, I've got some questions today, not about my salvation, but I read in my Bible, I have to study because I don't know everything and you don't either. But when the Lord was dealing with my heart, I had some questions. I had some, some, some doubts about some things I didn't understand. And so rather than try to run Jesus off, which is what the scribes and Pharisees were trying to do and disrupt what he was doing, the queen of Sheba says, I am inquisitive and I want to know for myself. When you want to know for yourself, God will help you. Notice this, said, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold. Now let me say this, she come prepared to bring honor to King Solomon. Now let me tell you what the scribes and Pharisees done. They come prepared to disrupt the life of Christ. They came to disrupt the message that he brought. To disrupt the crowd that followed him. The Queen of Sheba did not come to disrupt. She did come with doubts in her mind. She did come inquisitive as to is he really, going, is he really all that they say that he is. Is he really as great as they said it is? But she come prepared to bring him good tidings and bring him uh, good things. So you see the heart is different here. Oh, there's questions and there's doubts, but one is, is doubtful looking for is he really what he says he is, and one is doubtful that we've come to do harm and damage. Now I want to I say to you that when we preached the other night, and I've made this remark before, we talk about and pull out of Luke chapter number 16, how that Abraham told the rich man that was in hell being in torment that if, if 
his brethren would not hear Moses and the prophets. They're not going to hear if one should be raised from the dead. And he's emphasizing to the rich man that if they won't take Moses and the prophets, what we know as Old Testament scripture, they will not take the Pentateuch. If they will not take what thus saith God, they're not going to be persuaded if one is risen from the dead. And so here's what I would like to say to you. You understand that the word of God is, is, is the only thing that's going to help us. But you don't know everything about the word of God and I don't either. And so all I'm saying to, to this morning is, is if we come with an attitude to the Lord that we don't understand some things and we just want the Lord to help us nail down some things, I believe the Lord will help us. But if you come with the agenda that you're going to come with your stiff neck and your rebellion and your hard heart and your closed ears and you're just here to bring disruption or you're just here to refute or you're just here to cause a problem. Friend, I want you to understand something. There's there's great difference in those two things and how God responds to that. You may have your doubts. You may not care. You You may wish to ignore But if your heart isn't that, well, I don't know and I don't understand, but I'm willing to learn, I'm willing to be taught, the Lord will help you. But if you're not willing to be taught, if you're here out of rebellion, if you're here to disrupt, if you're here to be problematic, understand God will deal with you differently. So the Bible says here, and I didn't mean to do all that, but but moving on, the Bible says, and she came to Jerusalem with a very great train with camels that bear spices and very much gold, and precious stones, and when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. So she come and talked to him. <laughs> Listen now. She come and talked to him. What is it that the scribes and Pharisees are doing in verse 38? They're talking to Jesus. But they're talking to Jesus with the wrong motive. They're not talking to Jesus that we really want to know. They're talking to Jesus that they really want to trip him up. The queen of Sheba goes to that of Solomon and she tells him all her heart. When she got there with all those things that she brought him, she desired to talk to him about all that he was. Listen, I've heard this and I've heard that and word out on the street is this and word out on the street is that and I just desire to know Solomon, are these things real? And through spending time and talking and reasoning, you understand that the Bible says, come let us reason together. I believe the Lord will reason with you if you truly desire to know what it is that God wants to say to you. But if you come without reason, you're not there to reason. You're there because you aim to trip up or disturb, then God deals differently. So the queen of Sheba uh, says, uh, uh, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. Verse 3 said, and Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king, which he told her not. Now, if any man lack wisdom, what? Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not. I believe if you come with a heart to know what God wants to tell you, a heart to know what his book has to say, a heart to know his will for your life. You can have doubts, but still come with the attitude that you reverence him for who he is and give him the opportunity to help you see what you do not understand. And so while we emphasize that, like Abraham telling the rich man, 
that uh, they have Moses and the prophets of them here. Them. You, may, you, you have the word of God, but there's going to be some things that you doubt. There's going to be some things that you read in the scripture you don't understand. Give it time and have an attitude of reverence and allow God to help you. This works for you as maybe one that's lost and undone and has never been saved by the grace of God. Don't come with an attitude of tripping up the Lord Jesus Christ. Be open with an open heart to hear and to listen and to ponder and to think and to question and God can help you. But if you come with an attitude of rejection, friend, it's going to be hard for you to be receptive to the message that is brought. And all Jesus is emphasizing here is you need the message. You don't need the signs, you need the message because there's been enough sign given to you already. Can I say to you, there's been given enough sign, Brother Shane, in this world to save the world a hundred times over if they just look around them and open their eyes. But they're blinded today. And we need the light of the glorious gospel to shed abroad in their heart, right? To be shed abroad in their heart. Look here, the Bible says um, in verse number 3 of 1 Kings chapter number 10, Solomon told her all her questions. There's not anything hid from the king which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built and the meat of his table... And the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which we went up unto the house of the Lord, there was no more spirit in her. And she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. I believe if you come to the Lord with questions or you come with questions, but you're open to be taught and to learn and to listen and to hear. That you can walk away after a period of time of allowing the Lord through the word of God to deal with your heart. To make you draw the conclusion that surely the report that you heard is absolutely true. Attitude with God is everything. Can I say to you, it's possible to sit in a Bible believing church on a padded pew in God's house and have a bad attitude. God help you this morning if you sit in God's house on God's pew listening to God's word with a bad attitude. So listen to me. We go on and the Bible says here, Howbeit I believe not the words until I came. Can I say that she came not believing, but she came prepared in case she did. <laughs> now listen to me. If you'd have the heart this morning, you, you know, you may have unbelief. You may have things that you struggle with. But if you'll come before God with an open heart and an open mind and say, Lord, I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to hear. But I just don't understand. Listen, that nobody ever seen anything like Solomon before. No one's ever seen anything like God before. No one's ever seen anything or heard of anything like Christ before. Jesus died for you and for me. For scarcely would a right, for a righteous man would one die. It's not common. It's not something that we relate to. That's how glorious and, and, and wonderful salvation is. It's not something you and I can relate to from our carnal flesh. Because you probably are not going to go down here and let them do to you what they did to Christ to save someone else. 
But Jesus did. And so when she got in the presence of King Solomon, she said to the king, it was a true report that I heard in mine own land of thy acts and of thy wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came, and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Listen, of everything she heard and all the disbelief, when she got in the presence of King Solomon, and she reasoned with him and talked to him and listened to him, she left saying the half of what I heard, it doesn't even do justice to what was really there, to what I really witnessed to what I really seen. Can I say to you, when I heard and I come to the, to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I repented of my sin, I got saved. I can look back on the day that I got saved and where I'm at today and I can not only say it was a true report, but I can say to you that the half was not told. And can I say even now knowing the half was not told, we've yet to see him in his glory. There's a day out in the future, friend, when God's going to look at uh, Jesus and say, go get your bride, and we're going to be changed, friend, incorruptible. And we're going to be in the presence of God and, our, and the Savior. And we're going to yet again say, the half was not, has not been told. And so as we, as we move on here, said, how be it I believe not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. Behold, the half was not told me. Thy wisdom and prosperity exceedeth the fame which I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Blessed be the Lord thy God which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne of Israel because the Lord loved Israel forever. Therefore made he thee king to, judge, uh, to do judgment and justice. And she gave the king an hundred and twenty talents of gold and of spices, very great store and precious stones. There came no more such abundance of spices as these which the queen of Sheba gave to the king of Solomon. She was a queen. And she did not allow the hierarchy of her status to keep her from seeing the hierarchy of his status. And she wasn't responding to him uh, uh, because she was a queen, but because she was a queen, she was, allowed, was able to give him everything of her abundance. Now I want to say this, you and I are nothing more than just sinners saved by grace. But what God has allowed us to have, we ought to willfully give back to him. And so the queen of Sheba had maybe more than the average person, but she didn't go to Solomon looking at Solomon and standing in his presence and going, well, I'm a queen. She was not looking at her queenship. She was looking at his kingship. You and I don't look at ourselves when we get in the presence of God. We look at him for who he is. All right? And so having said that, when we look at what Jesus is saying here in Matthew chapter number 12, in verse 38, when the Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the well's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now what was the sign that was to be given? There shall no sign be given but the sign of the prophet Jonas. He said, look at the three days and the three nights that Jonah was in the belly of the well, if you want a sign. Now what was it that Abraham told the rich man? He said, they have Moses and the prophets let them hear them. So what does that mean? Right now, Jonah is being brought up before the scribes and Pharisees as one that they should consider. Now, understanding that Jonah 
come forth out of the belly of that whale by the providence and the power and the will of that of God. And so essentially what he's saying is, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now he's calling, he's calling attention to himself as the Son of Man. He's not calling himself the Son of God. What he's doing is he's saying the, the, they've seen him as only a man. He's saying the Son of Man, me, the Son of Man, will come forth out of the ground after three days and three nights. So he's showing the deity that's attached to the Son of Man being that of Jesus Christ. He's saying, oh, I am the Son of Man, but I'm going to act as the Son of God. Now look at me here for just a moment. We know he's the Son of God, but he was indeed the Son of Man. He said, verse Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men, now we're calling in the men of Nineveh. The men of Nineveh shall rise in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it because they repented at the preaching of Jonas and behold a greater than Jonas is here. Why is he likening himself and his resurrection and the three days and the three nights that he would be in the grave to that of Jonas or Jonah being in the belly of the bell for the, the belly of the bell, the, the belly of the whale for three days and three nights. Why is he likening that? Well, we find that he's contrasting some things and wanting to call their attention to something that they should be well acquainted with. So go with me, if you will, for a moment to uh, the book of Jonah. And let's look here in chapter number three. We were over in chapter one and two uh, just the other day, but let's look at chapter number uh, three for just a moment. The Bible said, And the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, Thank God for second chances. Amen. Uh, Jonah was a man who, through rebellion, did not do what the Lord told him to do. And so there was punishment for that rebellion. There was discipline, if you will. Now, why would Jesus be likening himself unto that of Jonah? If Jonah was a man that was in the belly of the well three days and three nights because of discipline, because we know that Jesus was in the uh, the heart of, or in the in the grave, if you will, uh, for three days and three nights because of discipline. See some contrasting things here. The salvation plan is being given uh, to the scribes and Pharisees. They just can't see it. They don't understand it that way. Now, why do we know that Jesus was in the grave three days and three nights because of discipline? Because 1 Peter 2 and verse 24 said, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. So now we see that, that Jesus was disciplined because of the sin that was placed on him by God, which was my sin, and your sin. Jesus carried my sin and your sin to Calvary's tree and bare our sins in his own body. All right? So we understand that Jonah was in the belly of the well three days and three nights because he was being disciplined, but he was also being disciplined and he was going to come forth out of the belly of the well for what purpose? To preach unto Nineveh, Jed of Judgment. All right, so let's look on here. The Bible says here, Arise, go unto Nineveh. 
Isn't it amazing that the, the, the whale pukes out Jonah and the words that are given to Jonah by God are arise. Interesting, I imagine Jesus three days uh, in the tomb and God said arise and Jesus come forth from the power of God to rise again and to live and to breathe life, to have life. So to rise, go into Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. The whole purpose in uh, uh, the whole purpose in Jonah being spit up or puked up out of the belly of the whale was so that he could go and preach. He got another opportunity to go and preach what thus saith the Lord, and so. When Jesus died and bore our sins in his own body, he rose again that the gospel might be preached unto a lost and dying world that whosoever will could be saved. And having said that, we continue on to the rise, going to Nineveh, that great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and he cried and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now I want you to notice the message that he brought. Please notice with me the message that he brought was the message of condemnation. The message that he brought was the message of of that of judgment. We better get back to the days in this society where when we preach the Bible, we preach the message of judgment and condemnation, something that is not being preached or taught on anymore in the days which we live in. Brother Shane mentioned it this morning in Sunday school. Jesus, God, merciful, long-suffering, loving, But it does not take away from the fact that he is a holy and righteous God and that he is a God of judgment. The fact that he was a God of judgment in the beginning is the fact that he's still going to be a God of judgment in the end uh, and he is going to rule and reign as that of a king, but he's also going to be a judge. He's still a judge. He's judging today. And so what do we see here? He says, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey and he cried and said, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So we see a message of judgment. Condemnation. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even to the least of them. Now let me, let me call something to your attention if I can. Jonah was a Jew. He was Jewish. But Nineveh was not. Nineveh was Gentiles. So what are you saying here? Well, first and foremost, he didn't really want to go talk and preach to the Gentiles because them Gentiles very well could accept what the message that was brought and Jonah knowing that God was a loving and merciful and long-suffering God might actually repent and turn back and not annihilate them. So he didn't bring the message, didn't want to bring the message. He did not want to take the message to them. Why? Well, you understand that Nineveh was an Assyrian city and it was located on the outskirts of Mosul. You know where that's at? That's modern day Iraq. You know what's going on here? He did not think that these people deserve the message that that God wanted him to bring. It's not up to you and me to figure out who deserves the message because let me say to you, none of us deserved it, amen. None of us deserved it. And so having said that, this being in a Syrian city, 
uh, and not being that of, uh, the, that of Israel or God's chosen people, then we see here that when the message is brought to them, they do what? They take heed. They hear. They listen. Since so the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them even unto the least of them, for word came unto the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne and he laid his robe from him and covered him with sackcloth and ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles saying, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed nor drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. This is what's interesting. God sent a Jewish man down to a Gentile city to preach what thus saith the Lord God and they repented and heard the message. Now that is interesting that Jesus is likening himself and scribes and Pharisees, I mean, excuse me, pre- is telling this to scribes and Pharisees and likening himself unto that of Jonah. They would not accept him for who he was. They were there to trip him up. And he's saying, you ought to go ahead and look at what's in the word of God that you should know oh so well concerning that of Jonah because a greater than Jonah has come. And I will die and I will be in a tomb for three days and three nights, but I will arise and I have a message to bring and the message is to whosoever will. It's not just for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It was up until Calvary. But when Calvary, when Jesus died on Calvary, Jesus died on Calvary for whosoever will. So having said that, we move on. And the Bible says here and he, uh, in verse 8, but let, men and beasts covered with sack, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn everyone from his evil way and from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from his fierce anger that we perish not? They didn't know. <laughs> they didn't know if he would repent. They didn't, they weren't sure if God would turn, turn away. His wrath that Jonah had proclaimed was coming. Can I say to you, the scribes and Pharisees right here in Matthew chapter number 12, they have their doubts. They have their doubts, but their doubts are there and their motive is to run Christ down and, and, and cut off what it is that he has to say. What we find here in, in uh, the land of Nineveh, the city of Nineveh, is the king is saying, we don't have anything to lose. If we do not repent and get in sackcloth and ashes, we are dead. Can I say to you the message that we bring today is still that of condemnation and judgment. And people have the attitude that they are not going to believe and they don't believe and they're rebellious and they, are, they have a bad attitude and they're, they're not going to listen. But listen, you ought to be like this. You ought to say, I may not understand it all. And let me say to you, it's not what you don't understand that's going to cause you the problem. It's what you don't believe. And I want you to understand that that Bible is to be believed. And God expects you to believe his word because he esteems it higher than his own name. Now, when we look at the name of Jesus, we'd say that Jesus never left us, never forsaken us, right? 
But this word that we have in our hands, it will never tell us wrong. It will never lie to us. And so we find here that God saw their works. This is what I love. God saw their works that they turned from their evil way. Now you got a crowd today that wants to preach works. Let me tell you the works that the Lord's looking at. The works the Lord's looking at is when you turn from your evil and point yourself to the good. It's a change of heart that results in a change of action. All right? And so God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them and he did it not. So here's the wonderful thing about this. Jesus has said there's one greater than Jonah. There's one greater than the queen of Sheba. I mean greater than that of Solomon, excuse me. He's not saying that doubts are going to cause God to to turn his back on you. But he's saying that in your doubt, you ought to have an open heart and an open mind and an open ear to consider what the Lord has to say to you. And I believe if, if those that hear the gospel message, there's folk here on Friday that probably never had heard a gospel message. Depending on how they respond with their heart to that, will determine their outcome. There was possibility, friend, people walked, I know there were people walked out of here on Friday night having heard a gospel message that had not heard a gospel message that will have to do something with the message that was brought to them. But let me tell you something, if they walk away with the attitude that they're stuck up and stiff necked and they have the attitude that they are gonna prove God wrong and everybody that brings that message, they're gonna die and go to hell. But I believe in all my heart, Brother Marvin, that if they don't know, but they want to know, but they're just unsure, they've never heard anything like that before, and they leave the door open, so to speak, to allow more information to be given, to try to know more and to reason more that the God of heaven that had so much mercy on this land and on this world that he sent his only begotten son, He sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world then might be saved. God is not against the world. God is not desiring for you to go to hell. And if just by chance you believe on him, he'll save you. Now, I believe if you have a heart that you're willing to listen, you're unsure, but you're all ears. Tell me more. I want to know more. I'm reasoning this thing out. The God of heaven will send you what you need to bring you to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. All I'm asking this morning is this. For whatever doubts you may have, what have you got to lose by giving an ear to what thus saith the Lord God? Whether it be a matter of salvation whether it be a matter of attire, whether it be the matter of sanctification, no matter what it is in your life, if the Bible, friend, is being preached unto you and something is being said unto you that you just cannot take, you just don't believe it, don't turn away, open your ears and listen and have a heart to allow God to do in your life what he wants to do. And friend, I believe in all my heart he'll get you settled on where you need to be. The Bible says here, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now here's what's interesting. Matthew 8 and 17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. 
Now we're talking here about how the Lord Jesus Christ is likened unto that of Jonah. And when we start considering the, the things that was placed on the Lord, we know Jonah uh, ha- had to be corrected and Jonah uh, was, was disciplined because of his rebellion. Jesus was disciplined because of our rebellion and the sin that was placed upon him because he paid our debt. And so the Bible said, who, him owns, who his own self by our sins and his own body on the tree. But then Matthew eight seventeen says that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying himself took our infirmities and bear our sickness. Well, you go back and you look in the, in the book of Isaiah, it doesn't say uh, that he took our infirmities and bear our sickness. Now, is that a contradiction in the scripture? It's not worded identical to himself took our infirmities and bear our sickness. Now, did Jesus come that he would take away our infirmities and our sickness? I mean, we had a a brother that just went to glory that had cancer. How how is that if Jesus came to take away our infirmities and our sickness? He's not talking about what we have that's going to take our life. He's talking about the sin curse that brought those things upon our bodies. And so what we understand, 2 Peter 1.20 says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scriptures of any private interpretation. You better quit taking one little verse and forming a doctrine on it today and start comparing scripture to scripture and figuring out what contextually the Bible is saying. See, we have what? We have infirmities and we have sickness today. Why? Because we're sinners living in a, in a cursed world, friend, in an Adamic flesh. And Jesus came to heal us from that. And how did he do that? He washed us in his own blood, took away our sins that was shed on the cross at Calvary when you and I accept him. And so having said that, we understand that uh, wherefore is by one man in Romans 5, 12, uh, one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But the Bible said, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. I'm glad today that there was one greater than that of Jonah. I'm glad glad that there is one greater than that of Solomon. But I want you to see in everything that was done and the provision that was made. Now let me say this. Brother Shane, you're not going to spend... Now, when we start talking about Jonah and the whale, we get this cartoon uh, elementary mindset of what that looked like. But if I could try to erase that for just a moment and bring you into the reality of that, let me say, can you imagine what any of us would look like, smell like, uh, if we would have been in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights? Now, I want you to know that, that when I've mentioned this before, and I don't have time to deal with this, we've seen modern-day instances of men that have been in the well of Baal. One man come back forth out of that, out of that well blind. He lost his sight because of the, the, the bile and the things that was in the belly of that well. And uh, there was a man just the other day that was, when he was scuba diving actually wound up in the mouth of a well. The well spit him back out, but it messed his body up. And it was on the news. It's not, it's not that long ago. We're talking just a matter of maybe a month, six weeks ago. Two months, something like that. When Jonah come out of there, Jonah come out of there with wounds and scars from his time that he spent in the belly of the whale. And Jesus, when he come out of the tomb, 
He come out of the tomb still bearing the wounds and the scars uh, that he suffered at Calvary. And so why is it that the message that was brought made such an impact upon the city of Nineveh? Because here comes a man that by all rights should have hated them. And could I say to you, uh, he didn't really want to bring the message. We know that. But it was necessary that he bring the message. Because God wanted to give them an opportunity to repent of their sin. And can I say to you, we see the mercy and the grace of God in the message that was brought. But they not only seen the message, but they looked at the messenger. It'd do us good today that when we consider the message, we'd consider the messenger. I don't mean me. I mean the one that died for you and the one that died for me. And so it had an impact. They seen this man. They seen what he went through. They looked at his countenance and his body. And they said, anybody that'd go through that to bring that kind of message to us, undoubtedly God means business. And for God to send Jesus and go through what Jesus went through, for you and for me to bring the message of condemnation means, friend, that God meant business. So we deal with a, a world and a society today that doesn't believe. And I can't, I, I can't help you with that other than give you the truth of the word of God. But I can tell you the spirit of God can help you with your unbelief if you'll just be willing to reason and listen and consider what thus saith the Lord God. And all I'm asking us to do this morning, and, I, and I'm done, I'm not going to finish the rest of this, we'll do it another time. I really didn't even get where I wanted to go. But for the church, let me say this. No matter what, we need to have an attitude of what does the Bible say to me. We get so caught up, listen to me now, in our traditions, in our societies, in our cultures, in all that we're used to. And can I say to you, how many times, I look at my children sometimes and I'll say, you're only five, what do you know about that? Or you're 11, you can't possibly know more than I do about this situation. I wonder how many times God, an eternal God, looks at us and says, Shane, 54 years. What do you know about that? Aaron, 35 years. What do you know about that? What could you possibly know about that? Listen, we better quit living on our experiences and what we think and consider the Bible. And everything that we think most of the time is provided to us by our experiences. And so we don't live by experiences, we live by the word of God. And I want to say to you this, I can't help you with the unbelief. But if you'll just keep listening to the Bible, you'll keep wanting what God has to say for you. You'll keep reasoning and considering. I believe the Holy Spirit of God will help you with your unbelief. But if you approach God and have an attitude with God, whether it be a matter of salvation or whether it be a matter of sanctification. If you approach God with a hands-off attitude that you've already established what you know, and you're not willing to consider what God has to say, and you have the attitude that you're going to show God and God's messengers and the those that love God wrong, God will punish you. And it will not be something that you want to endure. But you could be like Nineveh, and you could listen to the message and consider the messenger and, and say, I have nothing to lose. I'm going to take God at his word 
And when you take God at his word, they repented. But I want you to notice what God done. God repented. And they did not suffer the, the, the condemnation that the messenger told them they would have to suffer or the judgment that they would have to suffer because they yielded their selves to the message that was brought. Friend, listen to me this morning. We've got to yield ourselves to the message. We get frustrated. I'm sure everyone in the sound of my voice had prayed and desired and wished and wanted and hoped that somebody would respond positively to the message that was given on Friday night. And when they don't, it causes one to get discouraged a little. You want that for them so bad, but they're stiff-necked and hard of hearing and they won't take it. But I wonder how many of us as Bible-believing churchgoers do the very same thing with God in other areas of our life. And all I'm saying to you in this simple message this morning is do not plug your ears, but always be willing to consider that it, it's possible today that you're wrong and he's right. And if you'll consider that and allow the word of God to work in your life, you'll not have to suffer the punishment that the scribes and Pharisees are going to have to be punished because they were too busy trying to trip the Lord up than to consider what it was that he had to say. All I'm asking you to do tonight, or this morning is let's just consider. Can we do that? Can we put our traditions aside? Can we put our, our, our thoughts and, and, and what we think and our experiences aside and just sincerely say, Lord, I am willing to be molded and shaped however the Word of God molds me and shakes me. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. Sister, if you'll come to the piano.